him through his son, Jesus Christ. And we have a lot of words that can explain and describe who Jesus is. Uh, we use some of those. I'll use the word amazing a lot today because it just seems to be the word that just keeps coming to mind is amazing. We use a lot of different words to praise and act, acclaim uh, him. But when you get right down to it, God is bigger than our vocabulary. God is bigger than, than our wildest imagination. And God outstrips every thought, the, the wildest, most incredible thought you can have about him. It, 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 he goes so far beyond any thought that you can have for him. And all you have to do really is to just look up into the heavens. I, I, you know, we all have routines in life. And, and uh, part of my routine every night before I go to bed is I hook the leash up to our little Welsh corgi and walk her little legs out for her final evening stroll. And as is the case almost every night in the summertime when the sky is clear, I'll just stand and I'll just look at the stars in the sky. I just uh, sometimes, <laughs> while I'm waiting on her, uh, just, uh, I just get lost. Have you ever stared out at space and just gotten lost at the vastness of it and thought about how far away those stars are and how big and huge the universe is? And is, have you ever looked up and thought, man, it's just so crystal clear. It almost feels like I'm falling up as I look up into the heavens. The heavens themselves are telling us that God is big. He's really big. He's, he's bigger than you think he is. He's even bigger than that. God is huge. He's enormous. He's gigantic. To use a word that the kids are using these days, he's ginormous. God is big. And the heavens are telling us that every day. The psalmist David, who spent quite a lot of time looking at the night sky, wrote these words in Psalm 19. And I'm just going to tell you today, if you brought your Bibles normally, I, I like for you guys to have your Bibles open and following along with me. Today, just fold it up and put it aside because I'm going to put everything on the screens. I'm going to give you so much stuff today that you're just going to, your mind is going to be swimming at the end of this. So I just want you to be able to relax and focus and concentrate and uh, uh, so I'll, I'll read everything for you. Psalm 19, verse 1. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of His hand. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they display knowledge. There is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. He says the heavens. You know, what, what, what are the heavens doing up there? They're telling the glory of God. They're telling God's story. All we have to do is look up and we realize that there is this amazing complexity and, and order and beauty and overwhelming and somewhat confounding universe that we are a part of. And all we know about it really is that it happened in an instant and it still expands at the speed of light. And it's doing the thing that God made it to do, to proclaim His glory to everyone and everything. And reminding us how great he is. I need to state pretty clearly up front that I am not a scientist today. I think that'll be very clear at the end of this message. Brett is not a scientist. I don't have a PhD in anything at all. And I can tell you this. I can tell you that there are scientists who believe that there are other people on other planets elsewhere in the universe and there are other scientists who don't believe that they think that we're all there there is and and we're not going to solve that debate today that's really not my concern or my agenda or objective at all today that we'll leave that to some other people um, but many scientists are saying that if we if there aren't other people out there if there aren't other worlds and if there's not another earth somewhere somehow with other people on it 
than this thing called earth and space surrounding it if, if there's not something more then it seems like somewhat of a waste we don't even know how big the universe really is we're on this little part called earth and the rest of it you know it's just this great huge vast universe in fact scientists are a little confused because when you stand on earth and you look up into the heavens it looks like all those stars would eventually run into each other you would think that as you and when they look through telescopes sometimes it just looks like the stars are going to run into each other but in fact the stuff in the universe is so far apart that to put that in perspective for you it would be like taking three frozen peas and putting those in the rca dome that's how far relative things are in our universe that's how far they are apart from one another and scientists are saying if this is if if we're all there is then the universe is really pretty oversized for us and i would say that's true that the universe if it is for you and for me to live in is too large if that's really what the purpose of it is but the primary purpose of the universe if the primary purpose of the universe is to remind us and to proclaim to us and to shout to us and tell us day after day on every spot of the earth that there is a language spoken God is huge then the universe could not be big enough for that it's a billboard (laughs) it's right up there it is free of charge it is God's billboard and it is proclaiming to us two basic things number one God is huge we've already covered that God's real big second thing we are really really small let's break off the first part and talk about God is big because that's probably a little bit more fun for us to consider listen to what the Bible says in the very beginning the very first thing scripture tells us is in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth now not everybody believes that you know yeah some people well, how did all this get here and they say well a big bang happened that's real scientific and you know, they call me an idiot but you know we could take this all day and talk about this with people who don't necessarily believe what we believe we believe that god created the heavens and the earth we believe that he started this whole thing and a few verses down, it says that God spoke in this creative process that, that he didn't strain or struggle. He didn't work up a big sweat with this whole thing. Wouldn't it be nice if you could do that, if you could speak, if you could just speak lawn mode? And it was. Wouldn't that be great? We can't do that, but he can. And when he created, he just spoke and said, let there be light. And the Bible says there was light. And all of a sudden, the whole universe lit up. How amazing is that? You think they might have taken a little time out of heaven? You think maybe when they realized, you think God might have said, hey guys, you may want to pause on the whole holy, holy, holy thing for just a minute. I'm about to create light. It's going to be pretty cool. You want to check this out. So I'm going I'm to blow your doors off with this. Watch this. About to make light. let there be light and there was light came out of the mouth of god and god began to create the universe that we see around us frederick schiller said the universe is one of god's thoughts 
light is fast. When God said, let there be light, you wouldn't want to have been standing in front of God's mouth when he said, let there be light. Light is screaming about the uni- around the universe. It's the fastest thing we know about. Light is traveling at a speed of, of 186,000 miles a second. That's fast. That's crazy. You don't think light's fast? Try this experiment. When you get home tonight, you elect the fastest person you think you've got in your car. When you get to the driveway, get out, get a flashlight. Get the fastest person you know. Go 20 yards away from your mailbox in your driveway. Put a piece of tape down. That's your starting line. You stand on, the end li- on that starting line with a flashlight. You get the fastest piece of person you know. If you don't have a fast person, find one somewhere. And you put his toes on the line. And you start counting down. Three, two, and at three, you can pretty much let this guy go. I don't care who it is. You can let him go. One, and turn on the flashlight. Light is screaming down your driveway at 186,000 miles a second. That's faster than some of you back out in the morning, by the way. <laughs> that, is, that is moving on speed. That is fast. 186,000 miles a second. You say, well, that's really fast. I wonder if I got my calculator out and started figuring all this up. How fast does light go in a minute? Don't do it. You'll hurt yourself. Light goes in a minute 11,600,000 miles in a minute. Let's carry that a little further. In an hour, you want to know how many miles per hour light travels? How about this? 669,600,000 miles an hour. That is just staggering to me. And it came out of the mouth of God. And every star you see in the sky is shooting light off of it at 186,000 miles a second. It's coming from every star you see. Our sun, by the way, which, you know, we, it's not even the biggest. It's not really all that awesome, but it's just one of the stars in our galaxy. It's not the brightest or the biggest. It's just one. It's 93 million miles away from us. You say, well, Brett, that's not really all that important. No, it's very important. It will be after I get done telling you that if it were 83 million miles away from us, we would burn up. If it were 113 million miles away from us, bad problems, we would freeze. We want it to be 93 million miles away from us, and we don't want it to move. We want it to stay right there. That's perfect. You know when you walk outside... You walk out into the sunlight and you can feel the sun on your face. You know how long it takes the the light of the sun to hit your face? Eight minutes. God spoke and he said, I want a universe and I want it to be filled with light. Incredible. Huge. Indescribable. Big. God. Isaiah 40 is a passage of scripture we're going to spend quite a bit of time in this morning and Isaiah 40 gives us a context for the bigness of God and the smallness of man and it does a really good job of of combining those two thoughts in the the verses we're going to read this morning. Isaiah 40 verse 12 asks this question, who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand or with the breadth of his hand marked off the heavens? You hear what he's saying? Who 
Who has held the waters in his hand? Who's taken his hand and said, oh, there would be the heavens right there, universe. I'll measure it with my hand. Who's done that? Nobody's done that. We measure the heavens with a light year. If if light travels at 11,600,000 miles a minute, how far does it go in a year? 11,600,000 miles in a minute, 669,600,000 miles in an hour. How How far does light travel in a year? You ready for this? 5.88 trillion miles in a year. That is a light year. 5.88 trillion miles. Don't do that on your calculator. You'll need a new calculator. You'll burn it up. And we take a light year to measure space. Scientists chart their way through the heavens by light years. You don't measure space with a ruler or a yardstick. You don't measure space with that really nifty tape measure you got at Pateson's or Lowe's or someplace like that. You know, the one guys get really proud of. They can get them laser and battery operated now and digital. And You don't measure the heavens with one of those. You don't measure the heavens with a mile or a hundred miles. You measure heaven with a light year. 5.88 trillion miles. And Isaiah says to him, it is just the breadth of his hand. Wow. Who has held the dust of the earth in a basket? Or weighed the mountains on the scales and the hills in a balance? Who has understood the mind of the Lord or instructed him as his counselor? Whom did the Lord consult? When you see the universe, where is the fine print that says engineering firm XXX? Architect so-and-so and so-and-so. Materials provided by X, Y, and Z. Where does God go online to buy his how to build universe kit? How do you start the process? And who taught him the right way? Who has taught him knowledge or showed him that the, the path of understanding? Verse 18, to whom then will you compare God? What image will you compare him to? Do you not know? Have you not heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood since the earth was founded? He sits enthroned above the circle of the earth and its people are like grasshoppers. He stretches out the heavens like a canopy and spreads them out like a tent to live in. To whom will you compare me or who is my equal, says the Holy One. Lift your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls each by name because of his great power and mighty strength not one of them is missing that's big that is indescribable that is the awesome indescribable God that we have worshipped and celebrated this morning I want to show you a picture 
This is the neighborhood that we live in. This is, the, this is a portion of the Milky Way galaxy. It's where we live. Scientists say that if you were to measure from one side of the Milky Way galaxy to the other, our galaxy, which contains our solar system, which contains our planets and moons and sun, our galaxy measures from one side to the other 100,000 light years. Okay, so take 100,000 times 5.88 trillion miles. That's how far across our galaxy is across. We don't live in the center of it. It's way too dangerous in the center of the galaxy for us to be. We're nestled in a nice little place down off about two-thirds of the way out in the edges of the, of the galaxy in a place where a solar system can reside and not get itself hurt. But the picture that you see there is inside of the Milky Way galaxy. There are stars being formed in this, this is a, a star-forming region of the Milky Way galaxy. A scientist named Dr. Uh, David Block, who is um, he's a professor at Witts University in Johannesburg, South Africa. He took this picture with a telescopic camera um, in South America. Dr. Block has a degree in the morphology of spiral galaxies. Where do you get one of those? How much studying do you have to do to get a degree, a PhD, mind you, in the morphology of spiral galaxies? I just like saying that. That's just cool to say. I feel smart just being able to say morphology of spiral galaxies. This is a star-forming region inside the Milky Way galaxy of which there are billions of stars. Our sun is just one of the stars that is in this particular subdivision. It isn't the biggest star. It isn't the grandest star. Our sun really isn't uh, all that cool in the Milky Way galaxy. Dr. Block says, this will blow you away, if you were to count every star in the Milky Way galaxy one per second, and so let's, we were going to just start one, two, three, four, five, six seven it would take you if you were going to count the stars one by one one per second it would take you 2,500 years to count the stars in the milky way galaxy and god has called out the starry host one by one and he calls them by name wow he is huge he is bigger than our wildest dreams. But the billboard is also saying today that we are really, really, really small. God is big, but we are really small. The fall of man in the Garden of Eden has, had a, has served to in some ways inflate our ego and to make us think that we are really more than we should think that we are. Sin has a tendency to inflate you and me, I think, to believe that we are more significant than we really are, that we are something other than what we should think that we are. In Psalm chapter 8, David, who, as I said earlier, spent a lot of time looking up into the heavens. I mean, his job for a while was to look after sheep, and I imagine that on some starry nights he just laid back with his hands behind his head knowing his sheep were taken care of, well-fed, most of them down for the night. And he was looking at stars. 
And David got it. Yeah, God's big and I'm small. But he also got something else as he was talking with God. Listen as he writes in Psalm chapter 8. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. So the heavens are glorious, but God's glory is even above the glory of the heavens. And then he comes to the conclusion, and I think it's a conclusion that if we were writing the Psalms, we would have written this into this particular psalm as well. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, I say, who am I? What is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? You see, there's a shrinking effect, I think, that happens when we look up into the heavens. I doubt that that is accidental on God's behalf. I don't think it's an accident that when we look up into the heavens, we feel small. I think God fully intended for that to be the case. It's possible that the expanse of the universe was designed for no other purpose than to shrink us down to size and help us to understand exactly who we are and exactly how big we are. And David says, I'm looking at what you've done, God. And I'm asking myself the question, who am I that you would give the first thought about me? What is the son of man that that you would bother to know my name? But listen to David's conclusion. You made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. So we may be small. We may be teeny tiny and we may have a teeny little glory in life, but the fact of the matter is God did give us just a little bit of glory. He, he did put something on us, and then he tells us that he trusts us. David tells us that God trusts us with what he created. You made him ruler over the works of your hands. You put everything under his feet. All flocks and herds and the beasts of the field, the birds of the air and the fish of the sea, all that swim the paths of the seas. God entrusted these things to us, his earthly creation. He put us over that. He trusted us with it. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. What David is getting at here is something that we might call significant insignificance. It's not abandoned significance, not where you'd say, well, I'm just really small, my life means nothing, God doesn't care anything about me, I'm just little itty-bitty, teeny-tiny, and so I'm just, I'm insignificant. Not that, significant insignificance. I may be small, but God is very interested in what's going on in my life. God is intimately involved, wants to be intimately involved in what's going on in my life. I may be infinitesimal, but I still matter to God. But before we get to the joy of all that, we we really have to know how small we really are. Isaiah 40, verse 6, a voice says, cry out. And I said, what shall I cry? All men are like grass. Does that make you feel good this morning? You can be any kind of grass you want to be. You can be a bluegrass or a fescue or a zoysia. You can be any kind of grass, but the mower is coming, pretty much, is what that means. All men are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, and the flowers fall, because the breath of the Lord blows on them. God is saying, have a great life. Go out and accomplish and do great things. 
make a ton of money, have a great company, have a, an amazing family, you go for it. Do whatever you think is the most glorious thing that you can do. Invest your life, make it count, serve other people, but at the end of the day, you remember you are baby's breath. You are a morning glory. You are a petunia. It's beautiful for a season, and then it is gone. He says all of us are like that. And all of our lives are like that. Verse 8, the grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of our God stands forever. He is big and we are small. He is eternal and we are teeny tiny little people in this Milky Way galaxy on this place we call Earth. The Milky Way galaxy isn't even all that. It is just one of hundreds of billions of galaxies. Now keep in mind, what did I tell you? Our galaxy measures across 100,000 light years. Keep, keep that in your mind. 100,000 times 5.88 trillion, and this galaxy is one of hundreds of billions of galaxies. And that's just in this universe, which, by the way, we don't really know how big the universe is because we haven't invented telescopes big enough to help us to see and know what some of those things are. I think, don't you think God loves it whenever we find something new on a telescope? And we go on TV and we say, we have discovered uh, such and such, we're calling it XNG planet, you know, whatever it is, star or region or whatever it is. And God says, you think that's cool. Wait till you get over here. Wait till you build a big enough telescope to see some of the stuff I got going on you don't even know about yet. This galaxy is so big and so huge and you are just beginning to discover all the stuff going on. It's massive. God's saying, that's really, (laughs) that little thing right there is not all that cool. Wait till you find this. Wait till you see that. Our galaxy isn't that big. Let me put that in perspective for you. Scientists say that our galaxy relative to the universe, okay, so I'm going to give you something to measure, something for you to consider to be the size of our galaxy. We're going to say a quarter. That our galaxy, if our galaxy was the size of a quarter, in the universe it would be like taking that quarter and placing it inside north america okay that's how big our galaxy is relative to the rest of the universe that's our little home somewhere in that quarter billion plus stars is one little star called the sun and around that sun revolves some planets and one of those planets is called earth earth is home to you and me isn't that just breathtaking when scientists saw this for the first time they were just in awe This particular picture came from Apollo 17. And like I said, when the scientists saw this, they just stopped in their tracks. They could not believe. What you can see is you can see at the bottom, you can see Antarctica. You come up, you can see the Horn of Africa, the continent of Africa, Madagascar off the east coast. You can see the Sinai Peninsula up there. 
up to the top and to the left a little bit, you see the bottom of the Mediterranean Sea. And it's pretty amazing to think that we live on that ball. But you know what you don't see? You don't see Mount Kilimanjaro, which is the tallest point on the continent of Africa. You don't see skyscrapers, even though they exist in a town called Johannesburg, South Africa. You don't see cars, you don't see houses, you don't see people. Our technology is amazing. We built a spacecraft and we launched that spacecraft in 1977 and we sent it out on its way to do some exploring for us. We wanted to see some pictures and we wanted to know more information about some of the further planets away from us, Saturn and Uranus and Neptune. And it did an amazing job. It would fly close to these planets and it would take pictures and it would show us these images and would send photos back to Earth and some of the most amazing photographs got sent back to us. And Voyager was going out, and it's still going out, by the way. It's still an active spacecraft today. It's not on mission anymore, but it's still operational today. And it was traveling out, having accomplished its mission, and in 1990, on Valentine's Day, as it was traveling out away from us, and it had been on the road now for 13 years at the time in 1990, and it got just right ready to leave the solar system just above the elliptical plane and on valentine's day 1990 scientists three this thing is 3.7 billion miles away from us scientists sent a message to voyager and said hey before you go turn around and take a picture and show us what you see for you computer people it took 60 pictures. It's, we're not going to show it yet, but when you see it, it would be amazing. It took 60 pictures, and they took all 60 pictures and put it together to get the one picture that you'll see in just a few minutes. But I've got to tell you about the, how they got the pictures. They t- it took 60 pictures, 60 times. Each picture has 640,000 pixels. So that's 640,000 times 60. It took them five and a half hours to download one pixel. 640,000 times 60. Don't ever complain about dial-up again. (laughs) It's not like when you hit the the mouse button and you want to see a picture on the computer and it you know prints out the latest you know news photo or whatever it's not like that where you get it instantly it took them months to be able to marshal up the computers and the resources to be able to download that much information from space took them months to be able to to come up with the right picture and what they got when they got the picture was something that stunned scientists it came to be known as the pale blue dot And this is the photograph that was taken by Voyager in 1990, 3.7 billion miles away. You need good eyesight for this, don't you? This is a day you're really happy you sat on the front row. The kids are saying, I see it. The beams of color that you see are reflections of the sun off of the, the Voyager spacecraft itself. 
It is suspended in one of those beams of color. If you can't see it, we're going to give you a little arrow to kind of help you out. The pale blue dot, 3.7 billion miles away, the spacecraft's going 40,000 miles an hour. You probably still can't see it very well. We're going to blow it up a little bit for you so you can see it a little better. Pale blue dot. That's a picture of Earth 3.7 billion miles away. One of the leading voices of the day was a guy named Carl Sagan. He's passed on now. Sadly, he did not believe in Jesus. But he had the ear of scientists all around the globe. He was a leading voice in in astronomy, and, and he knew an awful lot about space. And when he's the one that gave it the name, the pale blue dot, he's, the one, he's one of the guys that was on staff that, that put together the whole program and spacecraft to launch it to do this project where they could even get this picture. And like I said, when he saw it, he's the one that gave it the name pale blue dot. He's written a book called The Pale Blue Dot. I want to read to you just a, a portion of that uh, from that book. Look again at that dot. That's here. That's home. That's us. On it, everyone you love, everyone you know, everyone you have ever heard of, every human being who has ever lived, lived out their lives. The aggregate of our joy and suffering, thousands of confident religions, ideologies, and economic doctrines, Every hunter and forager, every hero and coward, every creator and destroyer of civilization, every king and peasant, every young couple in love, every teacher of morals, every mother and father, every hopeful child, every inventor and explorer, every corrupt politician, every superstar, every supreme leader, every saint and sinner in the history of our species lived there on a moat suspended in a sunbeam. The earth is very small, is a very small stage in a vast cosmic arena. And then listen to his conclusion. Our posturings, our imagined self-importance, the delusion that we have some privileged position in the universe are challenged by this point of pale light Our planet is a lonely speck in the great enveloping cosmic dark. And in our obscurity, in all this vastness, there is no hint that help will come from elsewhere to save us from ourselves. You know, I agree with what Carl Sagan writes in that little portion right up until the last sentence. Such a small place such imagined self-importance, such posturing. All of us living on a tiny speck in a small Milky Way galaxy. A galaxy that would look a little something like this. We can't get outside the, the Milky Way galaxy, but if we could, this is a composite of multiple, multiple thousands of images that have been taken by satellites, they think that the galaxy is what is known as a, a barred center nucleus galaxy. And we know that it is the creator of many spiral arms, and we think that possibly the, 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 the width of it that you see there, again, 100,000 light years across, 100,000 times 5.88 trillion miles. Whew. 
And we live somewhere in that. See that little arrow? We couldn't even really put a dot on there to demonstrate where our solar system would reside inside the Milky Way galaxy. You just wouldn't be, you wouldn't be able to see it. Like I said earlier, you can't be in the middle because it's way too dangerous in the middle. We're out kind of on the far edge where it's safe for us to be. And in that vast solar system, out on the fringes is a little dot called Earth that we call home. That is what God has made. I want to show you something. The lights that you see passing by are not more stars. Those are galaxies. Hundreds of billions of galaxies each measuring hundreds of thousands of light years across that is just in the known universe and Sagan says how could we think that anyone is going to come from somewhere else to save us from ourselves and to that I offer this Jesus Christ the Lord the Son of the living God who not only was willing to come and die for us, but was willing to come to that pale blue dot to do it. Why? Well, maybe the universe is one of God's thoughts, but you know what? So are you, and so am I. Significant insignificance. Listen to how Isaiah 40 concludes. The, the, the chapter begins in amazement and and comfort comfort my people says your God that can be a little unsettling for us that God can be so big and yet at the same time we read things like that that God wants to comfort us and then in verse 11 this great huge indescribable universe creating God we hear this he tends his flock like a shepherd he gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart he gently leads those that have young God coming close to us embracing us, caring for us, knowing us. And then we read this at the end of the chapter. Who do you say, O Jacob? Why do you say, O Jacob? And complain, O Israel. My way is hidden from the Lord. My cause is disregarded by my God. Maybe that's you. Maybe that describes you. Have you ever felt like saying, God, do you even know I'm here? Are you even mindful of what I'm going through? God, how could you let this happen? But the writer, speaking on God's behalf, says, Why do you say that? Verse 28, Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. But listen to what he does. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. He is big and we are small. He is huge and we are so infinitesimal. We, we, we do not have the words that could adequately describe him. But today, what we feel and what we've seen in his indescribable nature is a sense of humility. 
that is humbling ourselves today, deflating the ego, laying down pride, getting off the throne, and putting ourselves down at the foot of the cross and saying, God, you are great and I am small. His indescribable character, what else does it do? Well, it brings us rest today. You know, we, we get so busy trying to do our life to put all the pieces together, to get our agenda completed, to make sure everybody's where they're supposed to be and everything gets taken care of and we are wearing ourselves out. And maybe just for a few minutes this morning, rest has crept into your soul as you have begun to think about how huge our universe is. And even beyond that, how much bigger God is that he would hold it in his hand. God holds the waters in his hand and he measures the universe with the breadth of his hand. Something else comes to us, worship. Wild, extravagant worship. I will not leave worship to a star that has not tasted grace. I will not leave worship to a galaxy that has not seen redemption. I will cry out like a star, offering my praise to the God of the heavens and the universe. That we would look at God and say, I want to respond to you with a love and a worship that is as big as you are, God. And the last thing that comes to us today as we look at his indescribable character is stunning friendship. He knows your name. He could call it out right now. He could start with every person in the room, scan the entire room, and tell you your name and tell you the things that are going on in your life. He wants to be your friend. He could call every one of us by name, and he calls us and invites us to come to him. Significant insignificance. Sure, we're small, but we have his beloved son. And our lives can be wrapped up in his great story. Would you pray with me? Father, it is just uh, amazing. You are (laughs) indescribable. And Lord, we can get so caught up in our little world and we can think that our world and our kingdom is the biggest thing going and there's nothing bigger than what we got going. And then we start to hear some of these statistics and some of these numbers that that really, Lord, there's really honestly no way for us to fathom some of what we've talked about this morning. That the universe is so big that we probably haven't uh, really any clue how big it is and yet you spoke it into being. And it gets on such a macro level like that, but then it comes right down to a micro thing where you came to the pale blue dot to die for me because you know me by name. Yes, you call the starry host out and you call the stars one by one, but you know me by name. And you sacrificed your own son to bring bring me back to you. And you didn't leave me, I left you. I was the one estranged, and you have reconciled me and given me hope. The hope of glory. 
So Lord, this morning as we leave this place, it is my prayer that we, we really do see ourselves in perspective and we see you so much bigger than we did walking in. So much more powerful. And if you're big, how big is your love? It's deep. It's long, it's high, it's wide, it's amazing. God, with our little bodies, we just say, we love you. We really are at a loss for words. There's not a whole lot you say. I mean, it's just, uh, it's, it's overwhelming. We just love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.